Welcome to Gen Z Hoops, the Gen Z basketball coaching and sports business show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hey, Tim, what's going on? John, thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. I mean, you've done some really cool stuff and uh, learned about some really cool NBA things. And just as fans, it's always fun to talk about that stuff. As a basketball fan who isn't really angry with me for um, forever tarnishing their view of the game of basketball, I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, any any basketball fan that can still be a basketball fan um, in the same same passionate way, you know, you and I are in that in that boat. A lot of people are very angry with me, though for exposing all really? basketball's dirty secrets. That's good, though. We want to hear about those dirty secrets. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, have, I have fun listening and hearing about those dirty secrets. So, I mean, we can jump, jump right into it. I mean, can you kind of give us some background on who you are, how you got into both the journalism side and, and getting into exposing those secrets? So I started out as a freelance journalist for The Post Game, which at the time was a Yahoo site. And the second article I ever got published in 2012 was about Tim Donahue. And it said in so many words... I believe what Tim Donahue's saying about the National Basketball Association. I think that this guy was just a very small piece of a very big problem. And from there, uh, I, wrote, I wrote the article, published it, and Tim Donahue reached out to me and said, thank you so much for writing it. And that's what kind of kicked off this whole odyssey because I, I became friends with Tim Donahue and I started hearing all the NBA's dirty secrets from this corrupt ref who knew all the secrets. Um, and I became convinced that he was, he was lying about some stuff, but a lot of the, all the NBA stuff, the stuff about the inner workings of basketball and how referees manipulated games, I believed what he was saying. And as I got deeper and deeper into it, I believed it more and more. So that's how it all started off was with an article that I wrote, never expecting to connect with Tim Donahue, really not expecting anything whatsoever, just wanting to you know, put my two cents out there. And that's what kicked this whole thing off. And I'm, and I'm very, it's very cool to be where we are today in 2020 to where everybody from coaches and former players to pundits, everybody's it's fascinating, John, because it's kind of, everybody knew that this was happening and nobody talked about it. So I hope now that whistleblowers out that people can talk about it and acknowledge that this all really happened and it was really bad. And hopefully as basketball fans, we can reach a point where we know that this happened. We know that it's still an issue and we can keep making the game better and better. Oh yeah. Whistleblower definitely brought so much attention to what was going on. And there's been obviously so many other things that have also um, surrounded that. How did kind of, I mean, obviously it's, it's super cool when you, when you write something about someone that you kind of think is untouchable. Like to me, for example, like Tim Donaghy's like, I mean, I, I'm a little bit younger. He's always someone I heard about in the past, but it's like this untouchable, oh, like this phantom ref that just like, it's from the, like, like he's, he's mysterious and, and doesn't exist. And, you know, to have him reach out to you is really cool. What kind of got you to think, okay, let me turn this into a podcast series. So I, I originally thought this was a documentary, you know, that was 2014 podcasts really weren't a thing yet. And serial, which I don't know if you've listened to it, but serial is probably the, the best true crime podcast ever produced by Sarah Koenig and um, the Adnan Syed murder. And, and I listened to serial and I was like, wow, this is actually the perfect way to tell the story because there's so much nuance there and you really need a narrator to hold your hand through some of this stuff. It really wouldn't work well as a documentary because we're talking about, at times, betting data 
and just really high level and in-depth concepts that I think you need somebody explaining to you. And so when I listened to that podcast and just from a storytelling standpoint, thought about, wow, okay, with Donahue, to really get in depth here, it would be highly beneficial to have somebody kind of guiding the audience through all these nuances. And after I listened to Serial, I, I became just obsessed with making this as a podcast and it took six years. And there were so many points where I thought it was dead. I mean, just, I, I, can't, I still can't believe it exists today. You know, we're talking um, November, 2020 and it, it exists and it's still, still shake my head every day that, that it finally does exist, that it's finally part of the conversation and part of the zeitgeist because I thought this thing for, for numerous reasons was dead so many times. So it took a long time, but uh, you know, at this point, I'm just really happy that it's out there and that people can listen to it and, and form their own opinion on whether or not the NBA was a corrupted machine. It's super interesting for me as to how you thought it was dead so many times. And then at some, I mean, what was the point kind of where it got rolling where you're like, okay, this thing, like nothing's stopping this thing. How long did that take? Well, I got to know Donald Albright, who's the president of Tenderfoot TV. And he and I connected in March of 2019. Uh, I produced several other sports podcasts and he and I were, you know, trying to find the right project to, to work on together. I told him about Donahue and just, you know, as something that I was borderline obsessed with and thought was the biggest basketball story never that's never been told. Um, and then I believe around this time last year, or maybe, you know, September, October of 2019, Tim Donahue calls me out of the blue and says, hey, because uh, he was contract you know he signed a deal to do this as a documentary and and you know this was years ago and, and couldn't do it couldn't do a podcast and called me and was like hey you know that deal expired just want to give you the heads up and you know the the light clicked and I was like oh my god Tim Donahue appears to be open um, to telling the story as a podcast and I called Donald Tenderfoot got behind it you know we talked to Tim and the the rest is history but yeah, no, at that point, I mean, once you like, once you just do it, it just kind of takes a life of its own and just keeps going, which is great. So, can you kind of get into that? Because you, it, it's obviously discussed on the show about uh, in the podcast about how he's kind of like painted as a rogue official, but it was obviously much more than that. Can you kind of go into that difference of what that means? Because that has a lot to do with how the evidence gets put against him and, and obviously why he gets convicted and other people don't. You know, David Stern is such a fascinating character throughout all this. Former NBA commissioner was was absolutely brilliant from a business standpoint. And he took the league from the almost, the league was almost bankrupt in the 80s and turned it into a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar behemoth. And the NBA is a, a cash, just a money-making machine these days and will be for the foreseeable future. So former NBA players and, and anybody who's involved with basketball loves David Stern because he made him a lot of money. But if you look at how he made them that money objectively, which is what we did. He did a lot of things that I think would be frowned upon ethically, we'll just say. And when it came to Donahue, one thing that David Stern did, which was absolutely brilliant, was he branded Tim Donahue as a rogue official, as the guy, the only guy. We, we have one bad apple. Everything else in the NBA operates with 100% integrity. And this, this is the one bad guy he got caught we're going to make sure that there's never another bad guy and we're going to get this bad guy out. And, you know, the one rogue guy, it, it just, you know, just look at, just focus on this one bad guy, right? Don't look at the system. Don't look at this idea that there was something systemically wrong 
with basketball, with the NBA, you know, just focus on this one guy. So what he did was brilliant from a branding standpoint, from a PR standpoint. That's what we talk about whistleblowers, how the NBA got ahead of this. The NBA, and this is still, I think, shocks people when they when they learn it, but there is an incredible amount of evidence, in my opinion, that suggests that the NBA leaked the story of the Tim Donahue scandal, the biggest scandal in the league's history. You know, they leaked, in my opinion, leaked the story. And why they do that? To thwart the FBI's investigation, to get out ahead of this thing. And David Stern, before he leaked the story, had his, had his strategy mapped out. I'm going to hold a news conference. This is what I'm going to say. This is how I'm going to position this thing. And it was conducted incredibly well by the NBA. It was just a brilliant strategy by Stern in the league. And they were able to, to really hush this thing up. And it's taken 13 years now for our podcast to come out and for a lot of the truth to, to finally come out. Wow. That's, that's really all I had to say. Like, like, that, that is, I mean, that, that is such a strong statement. And, and, and it's crazy to think that because, I mean, there's so much evidence going both ways that all that stuff's going on. Can you kind of go into what kind of the evidence is that's, that's pro Tim Donegan that we'll get into some of the stuff that's used against him? It's such a polarizing thing to talk about that, like, is some of the evidence that you think really strengthens his case? You got to look at this in two parts. There's the scandal and the conspiracy. When it comes to the scandal, in my opinion, that's, what was Tim Donahue doing? What was he doing on the court? What was he doing with other with betters? You know, was he fixing games? Uh, was he not fixing games? All that, everything with Tim Donahue and his, what he was doing personally, uh, just him, that's the scandal in my opinion. And then the conspiracy is what was the NBA doing? What was the government doing? What were these other parties doing to make this thing, and the FBI too, what were they doing to investigate this and ultimately to make it go away? So when it comes to the scandal, there's a lot, you know, what Tim Donahue was doing was really bad. He was betting on games that he refereed for four years from 2003 to 2007 that we know of that he admits to. Um, he was doing it with at least two guys with Jack and Ken and, and Jimmy Baba Batista. So he was betting with multiple people on games that he refereed making an unknown quantity of money. And that's really bad. And that's why Tim Donahue was so easy to make the scapegoat, to make, to brand as the rogue referee. But then, you know, with Tim Donahue, when, when this all came out, Tim Donahue said, hey, look, what I was doing was bad, but what the NBA do, is doing is worse. They assign specific referees to the, to the most important games in the league, to the biggest playoff and finals games to procure an outcome. You know, and, and that's where we look. That's what we have to look at. That's what nobody until this podcast has looked at is the idea that the NBA could have potentially been manipulating games throughout its history to make sure that a series goes five games instead of six and six games instead of seven. All the things that, quote, conspiracy theorists have said for years that the league in a lot of ways is rigged. And I don't think the league, I don't think 100% of NBA finals winners over the course of its history, you know, I don't think, I don't think the league is rigged. I just think that certain games, if you look at certain games and certain outcomes, there are certain games that I, we can use the word rigged. I think they were rigged. And I think they were because of the system in place. I think if you look at everything and, and all the levers at, at, you know, in place, I think it's really hard to think that there wasn't manipulation taking place. And so we get into all that in the podcast, but you know, those are the two, the scandal and the conspiracy. So the, the scandal, what Tim Donahue did was really bad. The conspiracy, I think that he came out and 
said a lot of things that are true and nobody listened to him because of his actions over the course of the scandal. Super interesting. Definitely uh, the whistleblowers are a great lesson to learn all the details of, of what you just said, because that's uh, it's a really broad overview. That's such a complex and, uh, and difficult to ta uh, tackle que a question in terms of like, because there's so much information to take in. I mean, it's really, it, it really is it's tough to tell because it's hard to, it's hard to believe him when you, when you take it from the perspective of, oh, you know, he, he did all the, all that bad stuff beforehand, but then there's also, there's so much reason for the NBA to do what they did because David Stern's been quoted before saying, oh, I'd, I'd love a Lakers versus Lakers finals. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be ideal, which obviously shows like how much both money is, is it goes into, into some things like that and how much better it is for the Lakers to get to the finals than for the Sacramento Kings. There's, there's stuff like that. That's pretty glaring. Yeah. And that's, I mean, even just that, that quote, which was from the Dan Patrick show and I believe 2004, just that quote. I mean, how is that quote not in its own brilliant and cunning way manipulating referees? You know, if there's a 50-50 block charge call and the Lakers are playing the Kings the next season in the Western Conference Finals, how does that not influence a referee's decision, right? And, and really decisions throughout the course of a potential game six between a big market team and a small market team. The league had its problems, and David Stern was the puppeteer of all the good things that happened, but in my opinion, all the unethical and potentially fraudulent things that happened, too, were conducted by, by the same guy. And that's what makes this story so interesting. So, you know, you can laud him for certain things, and, and you can hate him for certain things, but ultimately, there's a lot of moving pieces, and it's not, it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray. And to your point, you got to listen to the podcast to really understand, you know, all the different pieces and how it all works together. Oh, for sure. And obviously we know about everything that happened in the past, but what do you think all this stuff still has uh, any significance today in terms of the stuff has still happened in the league? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think Adam Silver's done a great job in cleaning up the game, making refereeing more transparent, you know, in, in small ways. I mean, nothing, there hasn't been a big overhaul, but the two minute rule just in general, you pro I, again, you're younger than I am, but I don't know a majority of NBA referees. I know Ed Malloy and I know, Tony Brothers and I know Scott Foster. I know a couple of these guys have been there since the mid '90s, but for the most part, referees are anonymous, as they should be. You know, they're they're in the shadows, they're in the background, which is a referee's job. And a big, you know, what I'd say the biggest problem in the NBA today, the the guy that I really don't trust is Scott Foster. And Scott Foster, I think, is a really bad referee. I think he's you know he, as we get into in the podcast, was Tim Donahue's best friend. There's a lot of suspicious activity that he engaged in over the course of the NBA betting scandal that he's never had to answer for. And I think if you look at his actions today and some of the things that he's saying today to players and, and doing in games and just his general conduct, I don't think there's any reason for us as fans to trust Scott Foster. So, you know, there's still issues in today's game. I think it's gotten better, but there are some things that the NBA can do to clean things up. And one of them would be, I'm not saying you have to fire Scott Foster, but man, if he, you know, talks trash to Chris Paul before game seven of the, the opening round series, Thunder's opening round series against the, uh, the Rockets this year, I mean, that's a problem. How, that's ridiculous that a referee should be able to do that and not fear any sort of reprimand. And again, we still live in, that's still the system where a player can say, you know, can't say anything negative. Player and coaches get fined for speaking up against referees. And that's, that's not America. That's not how how this should work so again there's there's just basic improvements we can make and then some bigger ones too but it's gotten better it's got a long way to go 
And it's cr crazy to think about how there can only, there can only be one bad apple. You, there's no there's no room for two. Um, there's only one rogue left. There can't be Scott Foster couldn't be included in that because now okay, what's the third, fourth, and fifth one after that? You kind of just want to be as a league, you want to limit it to one. Yep. So through all, uh, I mean, obviously you were so informed on on this whole subject before even doing the podcast, but obviously you spoke to so many people outside of Tim Donaghy doing during the show. What did you learn over the last few months in in, uh, in recording that? So much. I mean, there was there was a lot of games. There's a lot of controversial games in NBA history. One that wasn't even on our radar was the 1993 Western Conference Finals. You know, Game Seven of that series. It was the Sean Kemp and Gary Payton led Sonics versus the Charles Barkley led Phoenix Suns. And so we interviewed George Carl, and he talked about that game in which Phoenix, I believe, shot 64 free throws, and you know, I think the Sonics shot 36. But George Carl said that he almost got thrown out in the first quarter of that game, that the officiating was so biased and so egregious, the, the foul calls were so bad and it was just so egregious that he, one of the winningest and most respected coaches in NBA history, almost got tossed. And think about that. That's awful. You know, so like games like that popped up on our radar. And what's interesting is, you know, I think a big part of our investigation is looking at specific games, these really controversial games, and a guy who officiated almost every single one of them was Dick Pavetta. And that's the guy that Tim Donahue says used to brag to other referees about being the NBA's fixer, the NBA's company man, the guy that was assigned to these games to, to guarantee an outcome. And it's really a shame. And um, I, I'd say, you know, we learned a lot over the course of this podcast, but, you know, a lot of these games that I hadn't really looked at until we started production, you're like, holy you know, this, this happened, like these things, these, these numbers are real, like these box scores speak for themselves. And, you know, you, you combine those with the, the human element. And again, what, what I say after whistleblower is before whistleblower, anybody who said the NBA could have had a hand in manipulating games was dubbed a conspiracy theorist. And what I say after our podcast is that you can drop the word theorist you know, that you can drop the word conspiracy. There's no theory here. There was a conspiracy and it's just a question of how high did it go up? How big was it? And how, how big was this thing? For me, that's really the question. And, and at the end of this, I think it's pretty big. Through all that, do you think we'll ever have a definitive answer? Never. That's why it's so much fun. You know, NBA referee, do, do we have a definitive answer on any block charge call in the history of the game? Uh, no, right. That every yep. single one is is debatable, and, and the subjectivity of refereeing is, you know, it's part of David Stern's brilliance. Like he knew it wasn't. It's not like it was an umpire calling strikes that were bouncing in the dirt, right? It wasn't even. You know, there's. It's just. It's the beauty of sports, right? That that so much subjectivity exists. So um, to answer your question, no, we'll never have a clear answer. And even if you know a memo leaked that from David Stern to Adam Silver saying the Lakers have to win game six, the 2002 Western conference finals. Don't forget to tell Dick Pavetta that this needs to happen. And Dick <laughs> Pavetta said, Hey, yeah, you know, everything Tim Donahue said is true. You know, I was assigned up, you know, there's still be people that deny it. There's still be people that look at that tape and be like, Oh, it's just referees made a few bad calls and it is what it is. So yeah, there's, there's never going to be any definitive answers. David Stern was far too shrewd. So it's just going to be um, a fun debate, which again, hopefully after whistleblower, now the people that say that there was something fishy going on, that the NBA wasn't on the up and up can win those arguments because um, at this point, I don't, <laughs> as somebody who's engaged in those arguments countless times, 
I, I know how I feel. I'll put it that way. That's funny. Imagining an email getting leaked of just like, hey, can you please rig this? It's like, yes, guys. Yeah. That's very yeah. funny. I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, I've thought about that. And, you know, David Stern didn't put anything into writing. It's way too smart. Or still, like, how, it's crazy how that still wouldn't be enough to change people's opinions on it. And that's like so incriminating, yeah. but people would still, people would still deny it. Um, you, you also brought up a really interesting point that I, I remember obviously being touched on a lot in the show about how it's not like a ball getting thrown in the dirt and being called a strike. A lot of these fouls are stuff that it, it's so fluid that you could call it, you couldn't call it, and really no one's going to bat an eye at it because it's in the flow of the game. That most, some refs won't call that, that little bump. Others would, and some might like because there's so many small infractions that happen all the time. Can you touch on that a little bit, really quickly? Yeah, it's just basketball. Yeah, I'm sure all your listeners, I uh, would, you know, we're t- we're on, on a basketball podcast. If you ever watched a game of basketball or played a game of ba- game of basketball, you know that referees are human and they make mistakes, and that there's good ones and bad ones, and it's a it's a hard job. I don't think anybody would deny that, but the subjectivity of the game of basketball makes it extremely easy to manipulate. Everything is a foul. Nothing's a foul, right? So if you want to get a star player on the bench in the first five minutes of the game or early in the second quarter or whenever, um, you know, can really sway the outcome of a game in the long run, you can do that. You know, referees have a ton of power, a ton, a ton of power. And as Bonzi Wells says, they're the judge and the jury. For a referee to face any sort of reprimand, I mean, the only prevalent example, the only real example of that that comes to mind is when Joey Crawford kicked Tim Duncan out of the game for for looking at him. And it was all caught on cameras. The NBA had to step in and do something. But for the most part, referees are completely unpoliced. Uh, they, they face no consequences for having a bad game. And they rise up the ranks based on, on politics. Uh, it's not a meritocracy by any means. So again, it just goes back to the system. The system that's in place right now has a lot of holes in it and you know hopefully we as fans can demand better and demand more of the league oh yeah for sure the subjectivity in basketball is definitely so much different from any other sport and um especially what you're saying about how it's so easy like because getting getting a foul in the first three minutes of the game is no big deal if jordan picks up a quick blocking foul in the first in the first 10 minutes no one's going to say anything but that second foul can come right after and that's also kind of normal but those two fouls change the whole game. Now that he has two fouls in the first few minutes, the whole game's different. So it's such an easy thing to do to pick up two fouls. Also, it could be a hard thing depending on just on just how it's called. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's it's just how the game just how the game is. One last question, just to wrap up. What's what's next for you? You've you've obviously had so, so much success with uh, launching this with this podcast, and it, it took it was it, you know it took uh, it was many years in the making, and you put a lot of time into it. Now that that's over, what's next? Right now, looking at a couple of different projects, the Astro scandal is something that I, I think is underreported and, and it's kind of, it's obviously very recent, but also some of the big questions that scandal have gone unanswered. I'm a big, I played college baseball. I'm a big baseball fan. And uh, I've already in my early um, investigation on that one, I found some really interesting stuff. And then I think there's more, you know, the Donahue scandal is kind of just the tip of the iceberg for the NBA. There's a lot of shady stuff that happened in the league over the course of many years. So right now I'm looking at both those projects as, as my next, you know, 2021 endeavors and hope that we can just keep, you know, as sports fans understanding, I think we have to bring out all the bad stuff so that sports can keep getting better. That's, that's how I'm rationalizing what I do for, <laughs> for a living. Okay. But I, 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 I truly believe that. And um, put it this way. I mean, 
we uncovered all this about the NBA. Did I stop watching basketball? Of course not. I stopped playing basketball. No, I got torn Achilles to, to prove it. So, I, I mean, I love the game. I think it can be better. I think if we continue to, to expose the past, then the future will be brighter and brighter. So, yeah, I appreciate the kind words on Whistleblower and excited, definitely excited for what's next, and I'll keep you updated. Awesome, Zach. Can't wait to really keep, uh, keep up with your content because just as, a, as mostly a basketball junkie but a, a sports fan in general, um, just any way I can learn more about the game and, and, and see content that really just teaches me something new, I'll always be, I'll always be there to do that. So no, no, no need to question that. But, so yeah, awesome. Tim, thanks so much. For, thanks so much for coming on. I mean, it was, I, I learned so much. I, I know my listeners did too. And it's, it's obviously one of the most interesting topics is, is these kind of sports conspiracies. So thank you so much. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.